Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Amazer Comic Book Podcast. I am Kyle Bolin, and I am joined by Scott James. Hello! Todd Relu. Hey! And Brian Mark. Hello! Hi, everybody. We're here talking about Spawn today. Uh, we decided to go Woo! with Spawn pretty early. This is, what, our third podcast, and already we're tackling Spawn uh, despite the reticence talking over the, what was it, Spawn <laughs> and Batman in the past? That's been a running joke on this podcast, I think. Um, so anyway, what we did was we decided to read a... <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. From what I remember about this obscure episodes, podcast. Yeah, do three episodes make a running joke? Well, we've been recording over the course of, like, what, three months now? So <laughs> yeah. memory certain. Plus, we're drinking while we record, so... Most of us are. Help. Yeah, most of us. We decided to read a, a collection, Spawn uh, Origins Volume 2, which includes issues 7, 8, 9, 11, 12, 13, and 14? Yes. Does that sound right? That's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, which inexplicably starts on part two of one particular story. Um, but before we <laughs> dive into these gems, uh, let's talk about what we're drinking. Uh, Brian, uh, what are you drinking? I am drinking an Irish coffee. Mm. Which is whiskey and coffee. What kind of whiskey? <laughs> it is an e, uh, Mc, uh, McKellen 10-year. Now, hold on. Wait. Scotch? Yes. You put scotch in coffee? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, what kind of coffee? He's a man. <laughs> it is Korean instant Maxim coffee. Oh. <laughs> I am familiar oh, with that. Maxim's delicious. It is pretty good. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure you weren't throwing like you know uh, McAllen into some sort of like Folgers Instant or something like that. So uh, I think I think you get a pass on this. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Maxim is instant. Just, I know it is, just, but it's, it's good. Maxim. Yes. Yeah. Just watch out mixing up alcohol and coffee. What happened? We've got some horror stories from the past. What happened? There, there's just been some stuff in the past. Are you talking about the brown dirty bear? Oh yeah. Okay. That's what I'm talking about, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. That's a story for another time. We'll Scott, what are you that. drinking? I am <laughs> opening up a brand new can of Cali Creamin. It's the latest, latest craze, baby. No, it's more of like a summer kind of light beer, but I just felt like getting Perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah, no. Definitely the season um, right now. It's an ale, uh, but they put like a little bit of vanilla flavoring in it. Mm. Just a real creamy ale. Awesome. Todd. I am drinking a wine that is called Good Morning Sunshine. <laughs> Club W. It says on the back, I don't think this came from Club W. I don't know where we got it. It says it has lemon custard personality. I'm not <laughs> sure what that means. It doesn't taste like lemon custard at all. It tastes like a boring wine. It sounds uh, like the kind of wine that gets bottled in an Adventure Time or something well, like that. It has a twist cap. So you know it's really high quality. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. I'm drinking uh, Upland Brewing Company Wheat Ale, uh, brewed in Bloomington, Indiana, where we, some of us, uh, went to school. So, college. And it is good. <laughs> it's weird. I'm, I'm drinking a wheat ale, and I haven't drank a wheat ale in such a long time that I'm like, it's almost like a flashback to college, because that's what we drank so much of back then, because it's yeah. such an easy beer to drink. So, you know, mm -hmm. mostly I drink porters and stouts now and so going back to this is just really weird just really weird it's a good one though if you like wheat ale which most people do because it's super easy to drink so anyway nothing wrong with that yeah no kidding all right you guys want to talk about some spawn that's right as we, i do as we turn back time on your drink of choice we turn back time to 
comics we used to read more than 20 800 years ago. Years ago. Right. I actually... Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I intended to actually dig into my long boxes and see how many Spawn comics I actually owned from the 90s. Uh, I suspect it's something like eight. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably the right amount. A random smattering or like right. the first couple? I have number one, um, but I you think I You see how these story them. arcs fit together so well. Right? Correct. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure I have a pretty random smattering uh, because Spawn was just one of those things that I think we were at the time just kind of like borderline interested in every now and then so i don't know about you what are you talking about hot hot property at that point i mean yeah i mean like spawn's time was yeah i mean he ruled the 90s he had a live action movie for god's sakes before comic book movies were a thing um but yeah i mean it was still no superman well i mean like it it was like on the cusp of this whole like superhero revival yeah film thing going on right now that kind of started with blade Oh, uh, yeah. But it, it came before Blade. And then it was Blade, and then it was the X-Men, and then we got the Spider-Man. Or it's Spider-Man. The only thing I remember from that is the Violator, because he was creepy in that movie. So you've seen the the Spawn movie then, Scott? I've seen portions of it. I think I've seen it on TV a few times and checked into it. it I didn't really find it that entertaining. <laughs> I think we saw it in the theater. I don't remember who all I saw it with. I think I saw I, it with you. Yeah, I, I'm guessing you, me, Lester, uh, maybe Todd, I don't know. But... uh yeah, I don't remember being super impressed. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a great movie. But this story was awesome. I loved it. All right. You know what, Scott? You just lead the charge here. You tell us. What lead the charge. That's yeah. all there is to it. Oh, I just love here. this story. Yeah? Yeah, this is my favorite one of all the books that we've read. And Todd, <laughs> oh you're absolutely right. I'm dead serious. Todd, you're, you're right. The only thing that anyone can say against this comic book is that the stories are completely random. And... <laughs> Not really well connected at all, but it's so wild. It's crazy, and it's just—it's dumb. The, guy, the people say such stupid things, and it's just like what a a ten-year-old boy imagines real life to be like. Absolutely. You know, I'm it has so no, glad you It's so it out of way. touch with yeah. reality. Yes, but he's—he like hangs out on the street with bums. <laughs> just the insults that they give to each other, and then there's always like a bigger dude. You know, there's just like, oh, here's this massive guy. Those two guys named James and Halston or whatever. Um, and then just like demons randomly in different levels. And he's in and out of dream states. And they don't. It's just. It's awesome. I loved it. I it, thought it was fun. It is a huge mess, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's a hot mess. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And, and, and just to make things even worse, it starts off on part two of a two part <laughs> story. Like yeah. In this volume, it's like they can't even collect a volume appropriately to make things make sense. So we start in halfway through this story where uh, Spawn has been attacked, apparently, by an assassin named Overtkill, who is a massive man-cyborg. <laughs> Wait, Kyle, Ka- did you say Overkill? Overt. Overt. No, kill. Overt. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. good. No, Overt good. Just, kill. just making sure you said it right. There is a T in there. Overt <laughs> Kill. Oh, what a name. Oh. I love the name. Overt Kill. I mean, this is what okay, yeah, this is terrible, right? But also I love it. I was kind of enjoying it. I mean like it's <laughs> I can't read a lot of it at one in one sitting. There's some comics out there that really? are considered page turners where like I'm gonna sit down and read like, you know, like five issues in a row just because I can't stop reading. This is not one of those, but this is one Dude. of those I'm gonna read it for like twenty minutes and I'm gonna be like, Oh god, you guys, like what the hell Wow and just like enjoying it in that capacity. You know, I read this all the way straight through in one sitting. This is the only one. You read 190 wow. pages straight through because yeah. you loved it that much. 
Yeah, that's I amazing. thought it was fun. Oh man, if it was still uh, 2015, I'd say we had to like come up with some sort of <laughs> end of the year award for you or something like that. <laughs> I'm this glad is... you're on the podcast. I'm yeah, really, I really because I don't feel that way about this story at all. <laughs> I know, Todd. I can tell it. I just feel like it doesn't take itself too seriously. But let's go around. The table I have a hard time determining whether it takes itself seriously mm. or not. I don't think it does at all. I agree with Scott. I, okay. I don't. Think... I hope that's correct. Yes. <laughs> You see, in the 90s, you know, as like a 12-year-old boy or a 13-year-old boy or however old we were. When we no, were I this. think you'd be like, right on, this is rad. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, I took it. You'd be like those two kids or those three kids in the alleyway that's listening to uh, right. The Violator. You know, <laughs> you're them. Yes. What were their name? Like, it was something like Skeets and like. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Skeets. I want to hear this. They had really cheesy names. Yeah. <laughs> no, at the time, I think we kind of took it at face value that, like, this is just supposed to be super badass and cool and everything, because that's kind of what Image Comics did. Uh, and it yeah. kind of seemed like they took themselves very seriously, and the tone was very much like what you're seeing in this comic. Uh, going back now and looking at it, I don't understand how they could have possibly meant to take this seriously with, at the very least, with the art that is in this comic. Because yeah, it's it, just... it looks like a ridiculous cartoon. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this is like borderline Rob uh, Rob Leefield or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. There's definitely yeah. Leefield influence in here. I mean, like, everybody looks like they're wearing cable shoulder pads, right? Yeah. But, like, the the sort of, like, just the way that they draw everybody is just way more, like, I don't even know, like, like Saturday morning cartoonish than Yes, yeah, so many sketch marks on it, yeah. And just really round, bulbous faces and, like, round, bulbous type, you know, like... The like hunter? Fox, you talking like about that. the hunter? Am I talking about Angela? Yeah. No, I'm not even not even her. No, I'm not talking about her boobs or her butt or anything like that. I'm talking about <laughs> like just look at anybody's face and like you know their grotesque bodies in this. Yep, yep. In this comic and and it yeah. just, it doesn't look like a superhero comic. It looks like no. some sort of I don't know like silly funny comic. You know, it looks yeah. like something that was written with comedy in mind rather than. But I think that's one of the little clues that gives it away that they don't take themselves. And that's seriously. what I'm saying. That's the only clue yeah. I think I got out of it that yeah. makes it look like it's not taking itself seriously. <laughs> I think Todd McFarlane woke up every day and was like, "Man, I'm going to draw something cool, and then I'm going to fit it into the story." And that was it. Like he just did stuff because he thought it looked cool and was cool. I think that was the number one thing. Rolled out of bed, did his Rob Lee Field thing, cashed a check, and then went to a baseball stadium. <laughs> right there you go. Living the dream. For those of you that don't know, Rob, or uh, sorry, not Rob Leefield, but uh, Todd McFarlane, he was the one that bought the the baseball that uh, Mark McGuire hit his like what is like his record breaking home run on. Or something <laughs> Mark like McGuire, yeah. So I, yeah, I think McFarlane's some sort of huge baseball nut or something like that. But uh, so anyway, uh, in p- the payback part two, our opening issue here, we've got him fighting Overtkill, uh, and he decides rather than using his power. Which we power. is limited to nine 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 nine. Yeah, amount of power. Power units mentions that. It yeah, one that's six. Yeah, that's why he's down to eight zero three one. I didn't read one through six. I didn't either. I only know because of the Spawn video game where you started your hell powers at nine 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 nine. And I mean, I've seen the animated. It could series. have been six 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 so easily. Mm. Gosh. I've watched the animated series from HBO, and I do have the the first issue that I've read, at least back in the 90s. So, I mean, these are things that I've seen before, and I, I do remember that when it gets brought up, and I remembered it in context reading the issues. But nowhere was it explained to me in the issues we read for Correct. Today. <laughs> right. That, that, he does talk about the limit on his hell powers and how he's yeah. trying to avoid 
right. running out, but he just started at nine 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 nine. Right. Power units. <laughs> they didn't explicitly well, say that there's foolishly. a number associated, but then they keep just showing yeah. the number through the issue. <laughs> well, he did say, "Oh, that's what that is." I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, it's his I thought it was gauge. like some code thing or something. Like that. <laughs> no. All right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he was. He talked about losing twenty percent, like spending it foolishly when he was a baby spawn. You know, isn't he? Still? That's the only clue that I saw to a number. Because it's kind of implied that he just showed up like three weeks ago or something like that. Yeah, he's still kind of a baby, but he's maturing, right? He didn't get caught early. He burned through 20%, but now he's starting to conserve it, you know? Right. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny, though, that he burned through 20% in three weeks, and he's supposed to last like so many years or something like that. Well, he conjured up some like raspberry wine or something. What was that? (laughs) Yes, right. That That happens later. Way later. (laughs) But also in that issue, uh, the guy that's teaching him how to do it, Cogliostro, teaches him that he can summon some of that from his costume rather than from his power supply. Oh, So that didn't count against it. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm sure he did some stupid crap like that, you know? So what do you guys think of the overkill issue? Uh, I loved it. (laughs) I mean, it was like, (laughs) I don't know, it was kind of ridiculous. And it, I mean... I don't know. It was just so over the top. I was like, yeah, I was like enjoying every mm-hmm. page. My, Brian. Yeah, go ahead. How long did it take you to read it, Brian? The first issue or the just whole the thing? Whole, the whole thing. Uh, first time, probably two hours. You went straight through it? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I kind of slogged through it. Uh, there were a couple parts that were very wordy. Yeah. Uh, my eyes tended to glaze over, so yeah. I kind of put it down for a bit, took a rest, and then powered through nice. it. Nice. Todd, I think you were starting to, <laughs> yeah, to speak I, up there. God, I just I can't get over the logical holes. There's this there's this idea, right? I took it as he, and I think he says overtly that he needs to Nice oh, one, Todd. Nice, nice one. Oh, I like oh, it. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> just work it in there. God. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> you piece of turd. I know. <laughs> Dude, you're like you're like totally blowing my line load later on. Uh, that's <laughs> my line load. Oh, it was the best line, wasn't it? <laughs> yep, it's a competition from that here on out. Change. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I couldn't get over the logical holes. He wants to pursue overkill to find answers, but then he just kind of conjures up answers to who killed him <laughs> out of his own memory. I mean, it just which has no connection to anything that he's doing. In yep. the world, fighting overkill. It's just none of it fits together. He's got this costume that's supposed to be amazing, but yet he takes the cape off to fight, probably because Todd McFarlane didn't want to draw it during the fight. Uh, overkill <laughs> uses his chains against him. I just was like, okay, well, if, if his you know random pouches fail him, uh, you know all of his '90s costume tropes have have just ruined him here. So. It uh, yeah it I don't know I thought the fight was really poorly drawn I mean for as good of an artist as Todd McFarlane is supposed to be it was very hard to understand exactly what was going on in the fight it was essentially Spawn jumping getting his chains pulled and him thrown and then he shoots a guy in the face after he makes a joke that was sidebar here how good of an artist is Todd McFarlane supposed to be. I think supposed to be good, right? I mean, wasn't he known to do, you know, great art for Spider-Man? And I mean, you see some set piece art, work, oh yeah, like cover quality art interspersed in here. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, but then it's kind of like yeah, especially in the beginning, right? Crap, kind of connecting the rest of it sometimes. 
there's 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 definitely there, some inconsistencies in the quality of the art throughout the the series. Oh yeah, that, you're right. That we see, and that's right. the one thing that I think calls into question whether or not it's a skill issue or an effort or time issue. Um, but that being said, when I look at the art, I am also thinking of Rob Leefield, Liefield, whatever it is. I'm thinking of you know uh, the worst of Jim Lee. You know, just like anything from the '90s, it, it's '90s art. It's so '90s, it and is, yeah. and '90s art is—it's not good. It's not good. It's fun in a stupid way. Like we're yes, like the way we're enjoying this. It's fun in that stupid way. But yeah. at the time, that was what was selling comics because they were selling comics to us. They were selling comics to thirteen-year-old boys. And that was kind of the only demographic at the time. I think the demographic has widened since then. And so comics have kind of grown and matured too. We've kind of talked about this already uh, quite a few times in our, in our past episodes. But uh, I just look at it and, and it, it just looks like just a reminder of how bad all of it I don't was. think of that as bad. You know the, that movie, The Time Bandits? Nope. I mean, I know of it. I haven't Do you guys it, remember though. that? I think maybe Todd and I started watching it once when we were kids. I may not bring it up, but it's just stupidly put. Like the whole plot's ridiculous. Um, it's got terrible, you know, graph effects and everything like that. But it's got some kind of charm to it because it's so ridiculous, and the special effects are so stupid. Yeah. Like the the different. There's like a giant in it, and he's just ridiculous. The costumes that they use, mm-hmm. they're they're all midgets in it, and it's like a little boy running around with midgets. Um, but it, it, it's got that kind of, to me, like fun fantasy world that's real silly. Yeah. Yeah. I think as long as you're taking it as silly and supposed to be silly, or if you take it as something that was intended to be just, you know, very serious and happens to be very silly, that's sometimes fun too. You know, there's a lot of things out there that we enjoy that weren't intended to be funny, but they are. Uh, (laughs) so this could be one of those things. Either way, I can see enjoying it quite a bit, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the overkill issue for me was just, like, some really funny writing and some pretty inconsistent art. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if the writing was supposed to be funny or not, but oh my god. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene where he meets with the mob boss and then just, like, a quick panel of shooting yeah. and then the whole the building gone. is gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's when I was like, this has to be ridiculous. He's going for ridiculous, right? I yeah. hope so. Stuff ends so quick. Todd McFarlane, if you listen to this podcast, we'd love to have you on sometime to explain what you were thinking. Please. I, I would love to know. I mean, maybe it's been explained what he was in, on. in an interview already. Maybe we should have done our homework and looked for that. But I'd still like to invite you to talk to us because I'd like to know uh, you know, what's going on in baseball these days. I'm not keeping up. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that'd be good. We should have him on and not talk to him about comics at all. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll do the baseball cast just with Todd McFarlane. I'm down. So, issue seven uh, ends with it begins and ends with Spawn getting guns and then using them, and that's basically it. Yeah. He kills Overkill with guns, as intended. Mm-hmm. Any argument there? No. Any, anything else to add? Uh, yeah, I think that he specifically points out that he's using a rocket launcher on Overkill. <laughs> But yeah. if you look at some of the panels, <laughs> one does what not you see saying, any Brian? rockets. <laughs> That's right. He like fires like an energy weapon through his torso, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
I don't I don't think I've ever read a comic that had the guns guns this crazy looking. Yeah, not since Cable really when Rob See, started drawing. Yeah, yeah, I mean Cable's the only thing that compares, but I'm not sure if Cable even matches the level of crazy going on in the panels with the guns and all the weapons in Spawn. At least bam, 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 bam. Oh, and there's like chains and bandoliers flying everywhere. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even even. Even Overt Kill has a chain that just connects to his belt buckle. And I guess is what? Like a wallet chain like kids used to have back then? I have no idea. Probably. It goes like behind to his butt and we have no idea what happens to it. But mm-hmm. it's just like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's that's issue seven. Uh, we move on to the first of three issues that were written by guest writers. I think up to There's here. There's a fourth one, but that's uh, that was excluded from this collection. Oh, the yeah, issue ten. Yes, yeah, it was right. excluded for copyright reasons. Oh, is that why? Yeah. Okay, it did leave a couple things unexplained when you reach issue eleven, but you just kind of keep rolling with it because Spawn. <laughs> I mean, it's not <laughs> really right. right. I mean, weird. it does set yourself up for the yeah, yeah, compared to anything else. But yeah, so issue eight is written by Alan Moore, who has written a lot of other well-respected comic book stories in the past like Watchmen and V for Vendetta uh, he's done a lot of Swamp Thing that's highly regarded so he's kind of like you know one of those uh, bronze aged well respected writers that you would love to get on as a guest writer uh, and this story follows a character named Billy Kincaid who is a child serial killer or a serial killer of children he is a grown man <laughs> who is an ice cream truck driver uh, who he's just like kind of waking up in hell in what looks like a pea pod and kind of bursts out, meets some other people that just uh, got into hell. And then I would describe little... it as a testicle. A testicle? <laughs> I think that's accurate. Okay, yeah, a big green testicle. Was mm-hmm. it green? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was green. I have a deficiency there. Uh, so he meets some other people that have just shown up in hell, and they go on a little hell tour. And there's a little girl named Lil Jessica in the group, and he's like <laughs> clearly like obsessed with her through the entire thing in a creepy way. Uh, and as they're doing their little hell tour, it seems like Jessica's the one that's showing him all the parts of hell. And one by one, all the members of their group get kind of picked off by different types of demons or spirits or, or whatever for different reasons that they explain. Uh, one ultimately- of which is Cthugan Metabuse. <laughs> <laughs> the Elvis impersonator. Well, he was one, right? That's right. Cthulhuin. Yeah. yeah. The the king. Um, Go on, Kyle. Yeah. So eventually, we reach the end, and Billy decides to make his move and starts choking Jessica. And at that point, she splits bilaterally down the center and becomes a giant monster called the Vindicator. Uh, and then explains that this was all a test to make sure that he was a bad enough dude to be one of the new lieutenants <laughs> in Malbogia's army. Uh, and then they put a spawn suit on him, even though he's really fat. And so he makes a real chubby spawn, and then he cries. Spawn yeah. cries, so he's crying like green plasma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like that scene where he's running away from the demon, mm-hmm. and he tries to get up the tower, as if like that demon, while it was a little girl, was telling him the truth, that mm-hmm. the tower is the way to get up there, you know? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you don't really know, because you know he takes him to his level, the Vindicator's yeah. level, which is eight. But it's just like the little girl is the one that told him about going up the tower, but whatever. Wait, what do you mean by that? The little girl said, hey, the next, the only way to get to the next level is to go up that tower. And then the little girl spits in, splits in half and a demon comes out. And he's like, well, the little girl told me that I could use this tower. Oh, that was a costume. Like the Vindicator was wearing that girl's skin as a costume. 
Right. Right. So why would the Vindicator have told them the truth about the tower he while he was a little girl? Anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because it's so long. He's in hell. Yeah. He's in hell. He's Nothing. in hell. He's dead. It makes you think that you can... Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I just Scott, thought that was dumb. Wait, Scott. He died and went to hell, and that's where he's at. I think, yep. I think Scott knows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you like this issue, Todd? Uh, this is my favorite. This is Yay. my favorite issue of, of the lot, which, I mean, I don't know. It's all relative, but I, I don't know. I was interested. I think it fits well to sort of explore, you know, what is hell like? I like the fact that the demons were coming in and pulling off souls for all sorts of different purposes, you know, to like be in a computer network, <laughs> you know, all different sorts of like, you know, and one level of hell souls are kept. People who can sing, I think, are kept sort of as like, you know, canaries or other sort of songbirds. You know, I thought it, it was sort of an interesting look. And I think, that in a way I was able to appreciate Todd McFarlane's art more because it was drawing sort of otherworldly things. So, you know, I appreciated the sort of variety of demons that you got. I think I, I think really his, for me, his art is at his strongest when he's drawing things like this, like the Vindicator or some other sort of really out there um, kinds of things. Things that don't have to stick to anatomy we're used to. Yeah, so long as he can exist completely outside the realm of logic, I think we're we're doing well. When he gets to tell a logical story that has a beginning, middle, and an end, that has things that happen along the way, I just I can't I can't I can't do it. He can't do it, and I I you know I I can't I, I don't know I can't make the connections for him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean. The first time I read through this, I was like, I can't follow any of this. And I was like, maybe I'm tired. Maybe I just don't understand it. <laughs> and as I read it again, and then I read it the third time, I was like, wait, I think I get it now. It's just so batshit crazy. Yeah. That you just kind of have to absorb what you're experiencing, like a weird abstract painting in ways. Yeah. yeah. Let it go. Let yeah. it go. That's yeah. how I took it. It's exactly how I took it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really have a choice because I've been reading it past 11 o'clock at night, which is <laughs> like I'm dying at that point because I've been up since somewhere between 5 and 6 a.m. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of let myself go and experienced it. It, it wasn't really something that I thought too much about. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it was a it was an interesting ride. I can say that. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the art in it, the fact that it's like just completely crazy, just completely like – so the, the, these are creatures, these are like demons that I wouldn't have imagined on my own without Todd McFarlane there to give them form, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it didn't seem derivative of anything, which is cool. You know, that, that's one of the things that makes this part of Spawn at least cool is that it doesn't just feel like some rehash of other stuff. Uh, this look on hell is very unique, uh, yeah. you know, in that respect, which is cool. Um, and it's nice to know that Alan Moore had a hand in that, although I still, you know, I, I, I think... I think we're probably going to agree on this, most of us, that all of the guest authors here were not writing up to the quality of what we would expect out of them. Yeah, and what so, we hoped, basically. I mean, exactly. that, to go to go back, yeah. I mean, we picked this issue because it had a bunch of guest authors in it. Yeah, the hopes of you guys were excited about that, right? Limiting the effect of Todd McFarlane's writing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it was not. Many of it these people have not transcended. I mean, material. I was genuinely excited to read Neil Gaiman. You know, I mean, he is one of my favorite authors in comic books. I am a huge fan of the Sandman series. And so the notion that he would be writing something 
in here, Spawn, which is another mythological sort of series, which is what the Sandman is, seemed like a really exciting notion. And I've read Alan Moore, too, and, and he's also, you know, got a lot of crazy interesting ideas. So seeing him go yeah. crazy here seemed seemed like fun. Um, and, you know, Frank Miller's Frank Miller. You, you probably, if you've read Frank Miller's stuff, you know whether or not you like him or not. Um, I, I tend to, I think I tend to, dislike him more than I like him most of the time but I still read him just because sometimes I like him a lot I don't know but, yeah um I, but yeah really, it, it it was good it was interesting maybe one of the stronger issues out of this to me too I think that I like the next one a little better but uh still it didn't feel like what I was expecting out of Alan Moore like like you said it, it just wasn't up to our expectations I suppose going into this up to the level Kyle, of excitement yeah. Kyle how much longer do I have to wait for you to use the line or do we have to wait till the end? Are you talking about the cool line when we talk about our favorite lines out of the book? Yeah. That's at the end, man. That's after. Okay, I'll hold off. Yeah. I'll hold off. Yeah. I got a few. Put it in your pocket. One's in one's in uh an eight here. Okay. Alright. An eight? Like yeah, the one we're talking 10? about right now. Oh. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Any other any other comments or any other thoughts on our little glimpse of hell here? No. From Alan. I I mean I agree. It's super creative. Loved it. I especially loved the uh, robotic ninja angel. Oh yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was like very. It was almost Japanese to me, you know, like the like some mecha, <laughs> like uh, Evangelion or uh, Ghost in the Machine type mm-hmm. of character. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Moving on to issue nine, which my was, favorite. Yeah, this was written by Neil Gaiman, and this introduced some back ground to the spawn lore not necessarily our uh titular character spawn but <laughs> like sort of the uh spawns in 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 terms of the of the past because spawn is hell really, spawns yeah hell spawn it's a role that somebody fulfills maybe once a century or so it seems like it's implied uh so every now and then malbogia who is a demon in hell decides to uh turn somebody who dies a human into a hell spawn and it- it's kind of a test Hey, Kyle, that's Malbogia at the end of 8, right? That last frame? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's yeah. like the only time you see Malbogia. I think so. Um, and so what we see is we kind of see uh, a medieval look at a spawn. So it's like a, a spawn in medieval armor on a horse who's armored and looks kind of sort of demonic. Uh, and it's a story about an angel named Angela who is a spawn hunter and kind of follows her, uh, her little adventure tracking down the medieval spawn killing him uh and then flashes forward to current time where she is hunting our spawn uh al simmons the spawn from the the book so you guys are trashing the artwork what do you think about the artwork in this one so i think all the parts that involved um medieval spawn were really cool he looked yeah, super badass. I thought they were too. Yeah. I mean, if you want to take some, if you want to take one thing at face value and say like this is totally badass, you know, like this is so cool, you know, like yeah. I think this is the issue where it really actually works out most of the time because I feel yeah. like medieval spawn is kind of badass and cool. Yeah, I remember in the '90s seeing a lot of like hype over medieval spawn. Like he had an action figure real early on in the Todd McFarlane like action figure lines, and 
you know, there was a lot of, like, there was, like, posters or t-shirts or whatever of Medieval Spawn when you would go into the comic store. And, and not being a follower of Spawn Comics regularly, I had never really saw anything that had Medieval Spawn in it. So I wasn't really sure what all the excitement was over it. But he's really kind of cool. And, yes. And, and so, like, reading this made me a little bit more excited over seeing something else that involved him, which we get way down the line here. But, um, you know, it was, it was kind of, like, a bummer to see him killed, like, right at the end of this issue. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, he seemed, he seemed totally cool, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a cool issue. And, and, and what we see in the end is that, uh, Angela does hunt down our spawn, Al Simmons, uh, but he puts up a little bit better fight than medieval spawn or apparently any of the spawns that have come before. <laughs> uh, uh, it looks like, um, so uh, you guys kind of jump in here if you think that I've got the sequence of events wrong, but she's kind of getting the upper hand on him, and then it looks like she kind of like zaps him into nothing, and then his suit just becomes a puddle on the ground. She gets sucked into the suit, and then it kind of shows them grappling, and it kind of looks like she's losing, and then she just kind of like teleports out, bucket back up into heaven, and he's like, hey, I won, and I think it's Cogliostro, whoever, is like, wow, check that out. You beat an angel. Never seen that before. And then he decides to touch her staff, which then teleports him away i don't know actually what happens because i think he actually dies right because his his time meter is zero yeah um, wait which one are you talking about are you talking about the one 800 years ago or when she find angela finds him in present day on the present street? day present day yeah okay i think she dies it. in after him and then it looks like she's got him i love that scene too right mm-hmm. isn't it the best picture mm-hmm uh, oh, her into coming the in with her butt up. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really kind of sexual, actually. Oh yeah, well, yeah. She's it's like, supposed to be. She's like, please, I can't, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then she looks like a giant pregnancy test flying out. <laughs> I think she runs away, Kyle, to answer it. Yeah, she does. She totally runs away. I think away. she runs away. The question I'm I was left with was whether we were supposed to believe that Spawn had died when he touched the staff or whether he had been transported somewhere. Now, I think the answer is that he was transported somewhere. Uh because There's a lot of transporting happening. Yeah, well, <laughs> in all this. I mean, it's implied that he went somewhere when we start issue 11. We miss yeah. out the story. Um, but it's implied that he went somewhere. There was an aardvark looking at like the comic vine wiki. It, it shows that he was somewhere with like a different type of character, like a cartoony character. And that would imply that he went to some other universe or something like that. The other thing that I think implied that it was teleportation was that if you look at the little green blob, he becomes, that's the same green blob he becomes when he teleports himself. Yeah. But it does say zero. So I don't, I don't know. Zero in this universe. Got it. It does say the her lance will lance them like a boil off this plane of existence. Yeah, but all he did was like touch a button or something on the side, didn't he? he didn't get, yeah, he didn't get impaled yeah. by it. No, he didn't. Not like the one back eight hundred years ago. Right. Yeah. It's this level of existence, so maybe it went away and came back. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that this issue kind of highlighted in a very overt way that. Spawn is often a very noble character, despite the fact that he is from yeah. hell. You know, yeah. uh, the the medieval Spawn is pretty badass, but he's also shown as like a very noble, chivalrous sort of character. Yeah, and I really thought that was cool. You know, it's cool to see these, uh, you know, like unexpected characteristics from a character that is a hell Spawn. Um, and and I think that kind of makes the characters more interesting than they would have been if this had just been about a hell Spawn that was up on Earth. You know, killing bad people because he likes to kill people, and he's allowed to kill them because hell says so. You know, he's he's just a character that's conflicted between like wanting to do something good or or noble, 
and making bad decisions, <clears throat> you know, and being having a weak character, you know. Yeah. I think anybody can relate to that. Yeah. I, I think it's like the story structure themselves, like the plot is kind of stupid, but I think that some of the insights like that, like the, the young spawn is prone to, you know, noble and chivalrous ideas, you know, and people mm-hmm. and the naivety of, of that. And like, I think kids trying to figure stuff out might find that interesting, you know, to think about. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of true kind of points about human nature, I think, but obviously right. the story and plot is ridiculous. Like yeah. showing his depth, like that he's not just a one dimensional hero who only has like positive sides. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the big points of, I mean, this issue in particular, but the whole run is that nobody's really good and evil. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. just different sides um, in this particular conflict. So, you know, like it's kind of shown that Angela, who is from heaven, she's an angel, is not necessarily like, you know, good, right? She's no. down there hunting and murdering a creature that is doing good on Earth uh, yeah. just because that's what she wants to do. It's her job. It's what she gets a thrill out of. And so that's <laughs> all there is to it, really. And so there's this there's a lot of. Um, a lot of elements in these comics that really illustrate that not everything is either good or bad. We definitely see some true evil in these comics. You know, Billy Kincaid, definitely true evil, right? I mean, he's a child killer. Um, the people in hell, like, or the, the demons in hell, I think are portrayed as true evil, right? Like, not very many of them other than Spawn are portrayed as having a good side. Or I think the good. demons are portrayed as true, real evil, but I think even Billy Kincaid is just, it's like, humanity you know he has some good nature to him he's just he's done really horrible things and he's got a weakness or whatever like he's not pure evil you know yeah he does try and help some people Mm -hmm. yeah i guess that's true i think the demons you know and violator he's pure evil and Mm. some of those other guys but like the humans are human and down to their base they do have some good elements to them so i guess maybe it's not correct then that there's not pure good and pure evil because we're seeing pure evil yeah where's the pure good uh yeah i don't see any examples of that the bums wanda no the bums oh wanda maybe cyan i guess yeah the kid is that it (laughs) i don't know you don't really see it yeah i mean it kind of calls into question like just the notion of good then right in at least in this world yeah, because the angel is not pure good, even though the demon's pure evil. Right. Um, but maybe there's something else that we don't get to see that is on the good side, because obviously we're only seeing all the hell maybe? pictures. I mean, and oh. If it, if oh, his mom, his grandma. Yeah, his or grandma. Her mom or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Good point. Mamma. Mamma. <laughs> Todd, you still there? Yep, I am. I, <laughs> I agree. I mean, I think that she's probably the best figure for our total good. I Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, I, it, <laughs> you hate this so I much. I do. I think, I think trying to put a lot of um, you know, analysis into it, which obviously we're going to do because that's, that's what we're here for, but I feel like you've got to have an intelligent mind on the other side putting something out <laughs> for, for you to like invest the time in. You're like reading clouds. And I don't, I mean, I, just, I, don't, I don't think there's, I mean, we've got these, you know, who I will say are good writers coming in for one issue at a time. But, mm. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think Todd McFarlane was trying to show, like, the, you know, this is a badass world and, you know, everybody's kind of evil and, you know, yeah, Marvel and DC, they can't deal with a child molester. And, man, I'm in, you know, I got a child molester in here. Wow. You know, I'm so amazing. 
I'm that's, so indie. That's what I get. Oh, I get it. Yeah, like I'm so indie. Look how indie I can be. <clears throat> exactly yeah, well, right. And, and and pushing a line past where the Comics Code Authority would have ever been uh, cool with, which is cool in the '90s, right in the early '90s, that you're doing like the the bad boy. Thing. Yeah, I don't know where the line was here because in Batman we saw that guy pinned up on a wall. Yeah, but, and then we had a gay character, but that was like in 2011. That's, yeah, 2011. So. That's long past, like. Before yeah. that's long after this stuff became okay to do in Marvel and DC. Yeah. So like y- you can totally go read a DC or a Marvel comic these days and see a child molester, child serial killer in those yeah. comics. Now they've they've gone much more adult in terms of their tone. But back mm-hmm. then, no, like like Image was spawned as a movement from a bunch of creators who wanted to do exactly this. They wanted to push the boundaries, create their own company where they had creative control over their characters and do stuff they couldn't do in the other places where they had worked. And they wanted to probably get rich, you know? And so they they did everything they needed to do to be real hot shit in the early 90s. They succeeded. Yep, that's <laughs> yep. exactly right. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just, it's a teenage mindset. I, I just... I think it's no surprise that these were very popular with teenage boys, just like mm-hmm. we were at the time. I mean, it just mm-hmm. it it seems like a teenager wrote this comic book all the way through. I mean, if I, frankly, if I had written a comic book at that time, it would have been just like this. <laughs> I mean, no, no doubt. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess what you're really saying is you're the only one of us that can't put yourself back in that teenage mindset to enjoy something that's this dumb. I because yeah. he's a real he's a dad of like kids i just i think you have an angel character and you name her angela yeah like yeah what? i mean just what a, like yeah. i mean i just see someone like leaning over a desk and taking a shit on it like you just shit <laughs> that one right out like what is the first thing that comes to mind angela all right well there's probably a million of these you know or at least a thousand of these angel hunters she just happens to be the one named angela maybe they're all also named she's angela. hiding in Ooh. Hi- you maybe been happier if he had like gone with like Gabriella or something like that. I don't like know anything. On... Anything. If she was not just like a reason to have like no clothing on a female figure. I'm just I thinking mean, like we, we've got some names for some archangels in mytho- in like Christian mythology. If she had just like you know done a feminized version of one of those or she if she had had a name that is a feminized version of one of those do you think that would have been better than Angela? <laughs> I, I think, think so. That, I think, think Angela's the worst possible choice in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think it's great. I love it. <laughs> I think it yeah. just it's awesome. Can we go to no, the next I want to talk about sure. one thing. I just I think I think that her yeah, her normal everyday clothes cover up every single portion of her skin except for her face. That is true. <laughs> That's all. It's just to compensate for the times when she's not in civilian clothes. Because I love her work clothes well, are just like a like a thong and a big in a bikini basically right gold plated mm-hmm. yeah but anyway yeah she looks like april o'neill okay let's go all right issue better. 11 enter april o'neill no what do you think okay what do you think issue 10 was i can tell you oh you know what it was i can give you a, i can give you a synopsis yeah, give us a blurb on it <laughs> a real quick one here we go when Spawn tries to examine Angela's abandoned lance, it transports him into a realm beyond his wildest imaginings. While in this strange world, Spawn encounters imprisoned heroes, faces a mockery of blind justice in the form of the Violator, and glimpses a dreamlike scenario of happiness for him, Wanda, and Cyan. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like these dream things. You know, I feel like he's always in a dream. Okay, cool. Thanks for telling me about yep. that. Issue 11, though. 
uh, has him teleporting back into the alley where he lives with bums and enjoys. I love the bums. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty. Nice. I do too. Yeah. yeah, the bums are probably the best. Part. They're simple. Yeah, and uh, so this is written by Frank Miller who people have probably heard of if they're into comics because he did The Dark Knight Returns, The Dark Knight Strikes Back, um, Sin City. Uh, what else has Frank Miller done? He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, currently, he's doing The Dark Knight 3, whatever the title for that is. So he's you know highly associated with Batman. Um, apparently, I believe he considers the Batman Spawn crossover to have happened in The Dark Knight universe random fact so when you guys awesome. are thinking about that particular <laughs> crossover the there he considers that to have happened in the same universe as the dark knight returns interesting um yeah but not necessarily batman year one which he also wrote because that's actually considered canon within the normal dc universe so mm-hmm. anyway what we see is he writes an issue where spawn is caught in a gang war between the nerd gang and the creep gang <laughs> Yeah, this was Byron. I forgot. Yes. I forgot. This was... Yes, Byron with the turned around letters. Oh yeah, I, for... um, I forgot this was written yeah. by Frank Miller. I... And when I read back that he did it, I was like, oh, "Holy crap! First... This is Sin City, right? There's a gang war in Sin City, right?" Uh, I probably. Well, yeah, I've only yes. read one. Oh, if you watch the movie, it's the same City. thing too. A turf war, gang war. Okay. Uh huh. It's been a long time since I've read or, or since I saw the first movie, so I, I don't really remember all that well. Um, all I remember is that serial killer. That oh yeah, yellow, jaundice, yellow skin yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, we have him getting involved in a gang war. I, I don't know. What do you guys have to say about this? This is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's I absolutely can... ridiculous. Yeah, I, I actually it wasn't that entertaining, but I thought it was weird. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. definitely weird. I, I feel like my interest started to kind of wane during this particular storyline. Personally, I didn't really see that there was much of a point to it. it. It seemed like a kid sitting there with action figures and like clanging them against each other. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Here's Byron. Here's James. That's right. Here's the geeks, and the creeps. It's just and yeah. they talk funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Byron, Byron has metal boots and then pouches on his metal boots. <laughs> that says so much. And some of his letters are backwards, which doesn't, like, I don't even know how you would communicate. What does that mean? How to, right. Yeah. How does it say things? But they would sound the same, I guess. I mean, Toys R Us <laughs> sounds like Toys R Us, even though the R is backwards. This is true. Yeah. That's canon. What'd you guys think of Boomer? <laughs> What can you think of these characters? <laughs> I don't know. I I think it's page it's page 88 for me on Comixology. I think this is where I really realized that the art was like ridiculous and ridiculous in a way that it just shouldn't really be in a superhero comic. Because if you just look at that and then like look at his big, huge cartoony face and his big, huge cartoony eyebrows, it's just it, it looks like a parody of a superhero comic. It doesn't even look like a superhero comic anymore. Can you describe the and page? This issue... I it's got it, it's boomer right it's boomer with his and he's got his like laser gun out and he's going after a businessman no 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 it's the one after that where spawn's taking the gun away from him does spawn have oh, a hole in yeah. his chest look okay. there he does yes. have a hole in his chest <coughs> it's oozing he's not uh, wearing does his he mask look like does he look like elmer fudd a little bit <laughs> okay yeah yeah so we got boomer who is elmer fudd but with a massive physique and guns a uh, earring 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just moving on. I mean, like the art just goes. Yeah, Byron looks ridiculous. Um, this is a pretty crappy one. Yeah, you're right. Pretty, this issue is pretty crappy. It's pretty bad. I like. Yeah. I don't. I don't like the, all these like arrows just pointing at people and like pointing out their <laughs> names. Like, what the hell yeah. is this? I don't even like Byron. I, I, this is Byron. And then what he defeats yeah. them with psychological warfare in the end, and then they're just killing each other. And then there's yeah. just a bunch of bodies on a on a sheet. I, blah. And then he explodes. Yeah, what is the, guy the point from of the this? Inside. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, this has no point, even in like a silly way. This has no point. This is literally just a kid clashing his action figures together. That is exactly what it is. That's all this is. Yeah, yeah. No, it, like the final page shows it shows him tossing a guy's head away and just casually saying, "We let the cops clean it up." Then you know we move back in and life goes on, and that's it. That's that just kind of summarizes the whole issue right there. They kill a <laughs> bunch of people and then life moves on. Probably the weakest issue, I think, and it happens to be one of the ones that I was kind of looking forward to because Frank Miller. Any any other opinions about that, Todd? You haven't. I don't. I did, he jumps. <laughs> he jumps out of Byron's chest. Man, oh man, how extreme! Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good word for it. Okay. The time that it came out. He's friends. He's friends with bums. He saved them. Good yeah, job. But, you know, we. That's nothing new at this point, right? No, no, it's not new. This is the worst issue. Right, this is the worst. Yeah, I'll skip this so. one, kids. It was, All right, I wish I could it was have traded ridiculous that one without being entertaining. Yes, exactly. Okay, let's move on. All right, uh, issue twelve. Spawn discovers Chapel is the one that murdered him. So Chapel is one of the like one of his ex coworkers who works for the CIA. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I don't even remember why. Why did they want to kill him? Because he didn't want to follow their orders or something along those lines. Uh, I don't think they fully explained that, but basically they set him up to be a scapegoat. Yeah, for to be a because tra- he was. Uh, they told Chapel that he was a traitor. Right. Yeah. Whether or not, whether or not that's true, we don't yeah, know yet. But the news doesn't seem to report it that way, right? Right. Yeah. There's an inconsistency. yeah. It doesn't seem to make much sense. There's an inconsistency uh, between their story as far as like why they're justified in assassinating Al Simmons, and then the public story about his death. Where right. they're still explaining right. well, that he's a hero well, and everything. Yeah, they're setting up some conspiracy here, which, which you know, it's, it kind of all comes together now. Which is, you know, he obviously doesn't remember a lot of his memories, and they all come flooding back. Doesn't make any sense, though, does it? I mean, like, <clears> if if a guy is supposed to be a traitor, which is what they set him up to be, and why they would kill him, why don't they just tell that lie to the public then, too? Because uh, he was already regarded as a hero. They had a movie going for him, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why is that important to the people that killed him? I I mean maybe we'll find out later. I don't think we will. I'm pretty I sure like you that do. they don't explain absolutely everything. Okay. I mean this this episode this issue I don't think is too bad. Yeah. I mean we're in issue twelve here, you know, and it you know it hit issue two hundred and fifty nine. You know, so two hundred fifty nine now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's still <laughs> ongoing. I don't know how he still has all that power. He must it's... be operating on like one. No, oh. it's different. <laughs> anyway, it's things change. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, whatever. It, it, after you get down to zero, then I think you go and do some fight or something. And if you win, then you get some more power. Or some sh- crazy <laughs> shit happens. Okay. If you lose, then you're eaten by <laughs> bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> that was in one of these issues. Was it? Yes. Gosh. Okay. Don't worry. Must, you must didn't miss really anything. Yeah. I okay. Um. So anyway, yeah. So Scott, you said that you think this issue is pretty good. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I like the when he goes and talks to his grandma, and then they show his wife and Wanda. And this is one of those that I could see Brian though, like skipping over some of the text. You know, there's a ton of text in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought it was just an entertaining. Story. And I like the fact that he's like tortured by the fact that he has this wife that he had to leave, and like he couldn't have a kid, and she had a kid, and married his best friend it's just it's like this horrible situation for him you know mm-hmm. and i don't know i just like seeing that storyline oh and then they they're singing the flintstones in the street the bumps that is true that's awesome oh yeah that was a good scene <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments in the whole this whole comic book that oh, is yeah. the best scene and they and they drop a little <laughs> they drop a little line with the sort of copyright information as that's to where true. that <laughs> yeah yeah and they uh they they're always talking about farts, you know. I love that. <laughs> These are very believable bums to you, aren't they? <laughs> they are. And yeah. he he tries to put the mask on. He almost you know suffocates. He's like spawns like no bum, and like tries to save him. Like it's just they, it's they just entertaining. Like the bums you know from back from back home. <laughs> exactly, mm-hmm. Boy Township bums. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of? I, I'm just curious. Like this is something that I, I just kind of thought crossed my mind. What do you guys think about the notion from Spawn that there's any chance that he's going to get back together with Wanda? Like, it seems like he's got this. Goal oh yeah, that of, was like, crazy. Reuniting with her. Yeah, I think he's just self-deceived. Like he's just delirious about it. Did you guys give that any thought at all, Brian Todd? Yeah, he definitely is delusional about <laughs> getting back with Wanda. There's no doubt. Yeah, and I mean, I like I like this, and we'll get into it next issue. But I mean, I like this motivation for him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't pay off in the way that I think it should, but we'll talk about that next issue. I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was good that he went and visited the grandmother. I don't know. There's a picture where it looks like Wanda has a penis, you know. <laughs> really? I missed that one. It's the one where she's in jean shorts walking with her daughter. Like, she looks like she's packing some heat in those jean shorts. Um, really? Yeah. It's, oh, I that's just the, the quality, crease in her. Quality uh, of the drawing. Her... Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Okay. I don't really see I it. like that picture. You don't think so? I don't uh, know. It seems like it to me. Whatever. Shasha. That's a dog. The I know. Dog, I don't know. The dog may be packing heat. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I see it there. I, it just looks like '90s jeans to me. Rolled All right. Turn into jeans. Fair But I mean, oh, that's <laughs> Todd. You, dude, you know, like you can. You He's can, tortured by this whole thing. It's art. And you he, can project he's... whatever you want onto it. Yeah. Right. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was supposed to be the outline of you know how the fly has like a little area around it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Okay. The, like the hemming around a fly, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, in I case guess. you guys d- didn't notice, there was like a, a double joke in here. So on the newscaster part where there's that wall of text. Yeah. The last line, um, they're talking about the young bloods and how Bedrock ran into an issue with Hanna-Barbera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they go yeah. and sing the Flintstone song later. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then That's in funny. the next episode, in the next issue, they talk about... Uh, his name and he's like, "Oh no, it's Bad Rock now." Oh, nice! <laughs> nice. That's, that's a pretty good callback. That is funny. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, nice I, one, Brian. I assumed on my first read through because I, I think Todd and I we, we had talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but we didn't really check who the authors were on each individual issue first, and Ooh. so it was kind of hard to tell which authors wrote what. Like I kind of just assumed I'd be able to tell going into it, but I couldn't. I kind of made the guess that this was written by Frank Miller just because there's all the talking heads, which mm. is consistent with all the talking heads in the Dark Knight series. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. No, this is this is why I also thought was weird because, you know, that first issue with Overt Kill, 
was Todd McFarlane and this is Todd McFarlane too. And I feel like him having experienced four experienced writers has improved his writing dramatically already. Oh, you think? Oh, that's what I believe. He learned from it. I think so. I mean, you collaborate with great people, right? You're going to pick up something. It it gets much wordier uh, in these later issues. So maybe so. I mean, there's definitely more going on here, right? There's the whole storyline with the cops and the fact, I don't know, maybe it was Billy Kincaid. I'm not sure who it was uh, in retrospect. The, I think Spawn left some dead body somewhere in their yeah. office and they're being investigated for it, I guess. Yes. It's, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, there's at least more going on. Yeah, there's there's multiple plot threads now instead of just like, I'm going to go get these guns. I'm going right. to shoot this dude with guns. <laughs> Look, I shot him. Yeah. I made a rocket launcher. And I, shot I made a gun. Just more. Yeah. Boom! 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 I, I did really like the scene where the bum puts his mask on his face too, because it's just, yeah, yeah, it's super cartoony and ridiculous, and yeah, it's kind of hilarious that the mask would kill anyone that puts the mask on besides Spawn, regardless yeah. of whether they're friend or foe. That's interesting. It's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so then it looks like he kind of reveals or understands that Chapel is the one that killed him. By the end, it looks like he just kind of sucked that out of his own brain, and so then he decides to go on a mission in the next issue. Wait, before before we, before we move on, okay, just yeah. the, the last art splash, before we move on to the next issue, it's just like a screaming spawn head with Chapel in like a blood smear and then like yeah. Chapel in the background with a gun and this <laughs> knife that, you know, no one would ever carry in the world. I showed this to my wife, Abby, and was like, <laughs> look at this. And she's like, is that a screaming <laughs> block of wood? What is going on? <laughs> That yeah, I mean, yeah, Spawn's head does kind of look like a screaming block of wood most of the time. <laughs> Maybe it's that know. poop smear that yeah, Over right. was talking about. Uh, anyway, well, sorry. Yeah, that's no, how. I, that's kind of how. That was my experience of of these Spawn uh, comics. That's, I think that just is a sort of uh, typified how I felt about the entire thing. Like, it's so weird. I mean, because like. The hell are we <laughs> You look at that that picture there of, of Chapel, and he looks like the most like vile, evil, like intimidating thing ever, with his like like a million fangs in his mouth instead of normal teeth, you know, and, and the whole skull face thing going on, and crazy cable physique and everything. And then if you flip two pages to the cover for the next issue, he looks just stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he's got <laughs> regular teeth, regular teeth, just this big dumbfounded look on his face, just kind of a big fat yeah. like jaw, you know, like he looks like a dope. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like someone that Spawn could just punch out, like you know, it, it, one punch, instant knockout. Yeah, he was just punched in the stomach. And this is your chance to hit exactly, him in the face. Yeah, this is dope. Yep. he's in a king hippo fight. Um, <laughs> this is this is a weird issue. So it moves on to him infiltrating the Youngblood headquarters uh, to try to, I guess, like attack or lure away uh, Chapel in order to get his revenge. And we start with B- B- Bad Rock. Is his name correct? It is now Bad yeah. Rock, because it used to be Bad Rock. Who, what the hell is he supposed to be? Is he a human? He's a turtle. Yeah, he looks like a, a bad ninja turtle. He's a thing knockoff. Is that what he is? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he looks like a fleshy manatee thing or something like that. I, I was like sitting here wondering like what if I'm supposed to interpret him as anything <laughs> in particular. Because uh, it doesn't look human. He has no nose. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So he breaks. The He's controller. a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and eventually, we see that Spawn has infiltrated their little headquarters and teleports Chapel away. In the meantime, we see 
what's his name, Terry, his ex-best friend who is now married to his wife. They're having a yeah. whole conversation because he's been threatened by his bosses because he was looking into the whole Al Simmons death thing, I think, right? Yep. We find out that Sam and Twitch, the two detectives, have been exonerated of the uh, the murder that they were apparently accused of, of uh, Billy Kincaid. Um, and in the meantime, Spawn teleports Chapel away, uh, proceeds to beat him up, show him his ugly face, uh, and then they kind of flash back to how he was actually killed. We see some more talking heads. Uh, they continue to fight some more. Spawn continues to have the upper hand, decides not to kill him. I like him. how he toys with him, by the way. He does, yeah. Um, I like that. He does. And that, that's If one thing's going to be like, you know, in keeping with the whole 90s badass thing, it's the way he toys with him, right? Yeah. Uh, and then instead of killing him, he decides that he's just going to give him a permanent skull face. So he looks the way he wants to look all the time. And he can't put makeup on it. Yeah. It stick. Yeah, it's magic, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, I think the idea is that he, like, carved the dude's face away down to the skull, but it doesn't look like that at all because no. the dude still has a nose. No, it looks like he gave him a white tattoo and changed his teeth permanently. <laughs> yeah. And then and it smeared yeah. some blood. I wonder. I... Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thought he was trying to go for what he, like, his demonized version. He tried to, like, pull the demon, See, like, I interpreted this as, this is spawn. the sort of, like, combat um, makeup and apparently false teeth or something that Chapel uses when he's on a mission. Like, this is what he does anyway. But what I took it was, was he, Spawn was now just causing it to be permanent at this point to ruin his chances with the ladies as revenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he explains that the only thing that Chapel cares about is sleeping around with a different woman every day, uh, and also it is revealed that Chapel is HIV positive. Yeah, oh, I didn't see that. Wow, because, I missed because that because he like volunteered to take what? a Wait, uh, serum. shot. Yeah, or the serum. Yeah, yeah. There's a serum. And then he like he was like, Wait, I totally missed I that part. The serum. You did it. You wished out. And he's like, I only did it because I was trying to have a kid. Yeah, and then Chapel like, was like, and now I'm HIV hell? positive. Yeah. You guys oh didn't God. catch that? No. <laughs> yeah, so he's no, sleeping no, around with a different woman every day. They never connect the two things as, like, meaningful, but he is sleeping around with a wo- different woman every day. That's his thing. And then he also, he is HIV positive. Okay. Because of a serum. Because of a serum that gave him Not HIV. sleeping around. That <laughs> he volunteered for. He volunteered yep. for a serum that gave him uh, HIV. I don't know. He also <laughs> forgot to say who invented the Young Bloods. Tell us. Rob Leefield. Yeah. It was one of the premier premier uh, image comics. I, I remembered its existence, but I don't think I ever read a single issue of Young Bloods. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody really did. Yeah. It has it has all of the the sort of comic costume tropes. I see a guy with a helmet that encases all of his head except his hair. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it's got everything. Oh yeah, like the face padding that like yes, Shatterstar right. or whoever. Yes, have. exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. There's yeah, some dude that looks kind of like Spawn, but has yeah, sort of a tunic. Which also kind of looks like Deadpool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we then see really your manatee anatomy. turned human. Badrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah Badrock. Badrock with his uh, early '90s cable shoulder pads on. Exactly. Which apparently Todd McFarlane's a huge fan of too. What the hell? Did they, like these guys just like collaborate or something? Like. I don't understand. Yeah, it's this planned crossover to be like, man, Spawn's popular. I would get some Youngbloods in there. That's you know, amazing. Almost every 
panel that shows Spawn in silhouette or just mostly cape looks really cool to me. Yeah. yeah. When they when they just show Spawn, that's what I was going to say earlier. Mm-hmm. When but it's it, just a, a big panel of him. Yeah. But then every time it shows him with his cape off and he's just another big giant 90s muscle man, it's less cool. Right. And that's what they move the cape. They move the cape before any sort of enclosed fight because Todd McFarlane doesn't want to draw the cape. That's pretty much it. I mean, why not? Yeah, right. Why not do some cloak shit from Cloak and Dagger? Exactly. He could choke people with that cape. He could, like, use it as a massive appendage. That cape is probably his best tool. Exactly. Let's redo Spawn better than Todd McFarlane. Wouldn't be too hard. (laughs) Oh, well. Let's make it super badass, guys. Totally extreme. (laughs) That's right. Crank it up to 11, man. (laughs) Any other comments about Spawn 12 here? I think like it's what it's relatively enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I use the term relatively. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's not the yeah. best one, but it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wraps up uh, the I, I, the uh, issue before this. I really liked, mm-hmm. and it sort I, of wraps up the end of it. I don't think it was like super great wrap up, but you know, it ended. <laughs> well, I think I I do like the fact that it, like. He doesn't get satisfaction, really, from getting full revenge on the guy that killed him. Because he's in hell. He's a hell spawn. He doesn't get, like, this glorious, you know, revenge. Yeah. You he, know, which is kind of a partial revenge that, like, expended some of his, you know, energy that he could is so precious to him so that he could try to win Wanda back. And But yet he uses it, and he doesn't get real revenge. He just kind of makes him ugly. Yeah. I mean, and whole, also, yeah. as we learn in the next issue, kind of screws Spawn over a, a little yeah. bit, too, in the end, yeah. really. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole point to all of this was to find this guy and kill him. And so he finds yeah. him, and then he gives him a mask. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, that just, like, undercuts the entire <laughs> sort of, like, purpose of what Spawn has been doing for his first, I guess, year of uh, publication. I mean, really, it's just, it kills it. Although I will say... On the upside, I know I've been fairly negative so far, but this episode, or this issue, has my favorite panel of all the comics. There's this point after which Youngblood completes their, like, dumb fight in the beginning, in which everybody is, like, posing while talking to each other about some meeting they're supposed to have. There's, like, some dude with a shield that's, like, taking a ballerina pose, and there's the other dude that's, like, raising his arm in the air like he's a Street Fighter II character who just won a battle, and then you've got whoever the guy is Spawn was after, like, posing with his knife up in the air. That's my favorite panel of the entire thing. You realize what you're doing, Todd, is is you're, you're buying into the silliness. I am, yeah, I know. I'm enjoying it. Yes. I'm not (laughs) saying I didn't enjoy any of it. This this is definitely the comic I've enjoyed the least of the ones that we've read so far. But, uh, yeah, there's there's some of it where it's just like, what in the hell is even going on here? (laughs) That's kind of the whole thing, right? Yeah, I guess. You know, yeah. I feel like there's got to be a story to hang it on, though. I mean... I don't know if if this took you guys a minute, but on the, the... There's a panel in this one where they're talking about... Simmons' death, I believe, and it's the news anchors again, the CNN, mm-hmm. my view on two, mm-hmm. and then... Oh, yeah, yeah. Seven. And it just said 1987 in the center. And I was like, wait, does power level dip that low? Because <laughs> it's kind of, like, in the same font, and, like, okay... No, I, know. I thought the opposite thing. I was like, oh, it's 1987 when this happened. All those other numbers must be the year. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. okay. I had the exact opposite thought. I like the idea that Spawn is going back in time. Yeah. <laughs> like as he goes. 
but he's gone like forward. Yeah, I mean, like, so he's been like into the far flung future, and you know, yeah. Oh, he's I, Benjamin Buttoning it. Uh, Look out! I had a similar experience, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, it just it just reminded me so much of the other numbers we had seen. Initially, I was like, "Wait, what?" And there was a moment of confusion there before I was like, "Oh, I see. They're talking about five years ago, and this was published in 1992." Yeah, yeah. So anyway, any other comments on this particular issue? Because that wraps up that storyline of of Spawn finding justice, apparently, and justice apparently Um, is a facial tattoo. The only thing I would add is, uh, to Todd's point... (laughs) (laughs) I like that. He's never going to be able to get a job now. He's got a face tattoo. He already has a job. Did you guys see... If he was really smart, he would have fucking tattooed HIV positive on his forehead. (laughs) Absolutely. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe he thinks if he sends them to hell, they'll have to fight each other in hell, and the guy will be more powerful at that point. Um, but you guys see the girl with the dragon tattoo, right? No, no. Yeah, oh. she did. Yeah, and what she do to the guy that takes advantage of her, right? She pins him down and, and uh, tattoos him. Yeah, right. Same thing. Okay. All right, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Uh, oh, what was it? Oh, uh, yeah, to Todd's point, I was I was saying... I think him turning his face into a mask was like showing his, you know, they talked about how he's an immature spawn, right? Doesn't know how to use his powers or what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I think it's just like, I don't know, this is the best thing I can think of at this moment, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, if we want to get real meta here, it's kind of like it explains Todd McFarlane and, and all of his creativity with spawn in general, right? Yeah, I don't even really know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That actually works. Oh, man. Damn, the yeah. layers. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he is spawn. It's yeah. true. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. I wonder if we can find some. I bet there is some images of Spawn playing baseball. Oh, certainly <laughs> enjoying it. He definitely wears you, a baseball hat. Yeah, there's got to be. Yeah, With as, as random as this this comic has already gotten in the first year of its publication, <laughs> he definitely plays baseball at some point. <laughs> the X Men do it constantly. I, you know, Spawn's got to do it at least once. Yeah, I bet he went back in time and played soccer with Pele or something. I mean, I would have no. <laughs> it would surprise me at all. Turns out his power counter is really just like, you know, the time circuits in the DeLorean. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we've got one more issue left. We've got issue 14. My second favorite. Oh, yeah, this is my third favorite. Scott, you and I are on the same page here, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of a fun issue, though. Uh, It uh, is. Watching uh, the big, ugly demon clown, the Violator, Telling a story to three little teenage boys and giving them <laughs> he can't money wait to, to tell them. So, is this kid wearing an industrial light and magic hat? Yeah, he is. is that what that is? He is. I saw that. I was okay. like, "What the hell? Like, what? All right. What? What did they think of us back then? What did Todd McFarlane <laughs> think we thought was cool? And yeah. I mean, like, he got one thing right, which was you know, like demonic warriors and stuff like that. But apparently, yeah. he thought that we were all like hyped for industrial light and magic, which I don't think that's true yeah i don't know did, brian did you have an ilm hat in your wardrobe no the todd <laughs> no i i wondered if these were supposed to be representational of some people or something you know like oh. not just like general like if these were supposed to be i don't even know it doesn't too deep sense. todd too it, deep. It, it no way, deep way 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 too, way, too deep. deep no <laughs> well i thought they looked like garbage pail kids Oh, they kind of do. Yeah, they but I mean, kinda, in everybody garbage. in Spawn looks like a garbage kill kid, right? <laughs> yeah. That's true. Everything takes place in an alley. <laughs> One of the kids is literally sitting on a garbage pill. Good call. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Okay, yeah, so we've got the Violator, who is one of the big demon monsters from Malbogia's army, uh, is apparently... Desperately wanting to tell these yeah, kids Yeah, I don't understand what his <laughs> motivation is other than he's bored. But yeah, he showers these kids with some spending cash in order to convince them to sit still while he tells them a story about how he... What, 800 I years love ago? his story. <laughs> I love this. Why don't you tell it, Scott? You, you no, 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 no. No, for real. I can't tell it as well as you can, and I just love that he's. It's so obvious. I mean, he's he's describing it opposite to what's yes. really happening, right? Of course, yes. Um, to spell it out for everybody, but I just love that part of it. You what know, he's just. Me? It's it's like he's, he's so twisted. He's looking for some sort of like validation as the hero or something. That's what he wants them to hear. That's why he wants them to hear it because these are souls. They're innocent boys, but, although they're troublemakers on the street. But yeah, so he, he wants the, them to think this he goes through the trouble of telling them the story like like painting himself as the hero and spawn (laughs) as the villain as this evil vile villain who's doing all these horrible things that the pictures are telling us didn't happen at all um and then in the end when they're like oh wow you're one of heaven's warriors he's like what no i'm from hell (laughs) so like why did he try to convince him that that he was a good guy in the first place he's dumb All right, so, so much. we've learned one thing about the Violator then in this issue, and that is that he is dumb. Oh, we've learned two things. This is My favorite part of this issue is that the Violator is undone when Spawn's horse kicks him in the ass. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like, that's, that's the thing he didn't plan for. Yeah, yeah. No, so the issue basically shows him and an encounter with the medieval Spawn that we, um, or a medieval Spawn, because like, it looks like he actually kills him in the end, right? Yeah, but... Yeah, he disappears, and yeah. he, he claims he disintegrated the guy. Okay, so he might have teleported. I doubt it. Yeah, I yeah, doubt because that's... we also see him getting killed by Angela. So unless there were two medieval spawns, or unless this story never happened, uh, he has to have survived that. Correct. Well, I don't know. Maybe the, I think there's two medieval spawns because I think Angela killed medieval spawn when he was young, and that this was a more mature spawn. So a different person that was. Yeah, I think they were two spawn. different. Yeah, they were different medieval spawns yeah they look they look exactly the right? same yeah that horse looks identical too i don't know that's just what i think because i think she was saying that this was like a baby spawn he had just been mm-hmm. i'd like wrong. to think that he didn't actually die at the end and that this is the same character because i'd like to think sweet that medieval spawn is just one guy who's a really cool badass medieval spawn that yep. also can't really win a fight <laughs> yeah i'm willing to believe that because you know the i i find a lot of callbacks that McFarlane uses, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, Brian's got a good read on the guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't think that, I, I'm guessing at this point in his career, uh, McFarlane hadn't necessarily nailed continuity down 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is pretty ridiculous that the Violator gets bested by the horse. Yep. Kicking him mm-hmm. in the butt. Yep. The The cops get cleared. That, yep. that happens in this. Every That's time true. they show the cops, there are donuts flying everywhere. There's one pinned to the fat cop's ass. <laughs> yeah, and, and their immediate response is to go find Spawn. Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as they get clear, they go to find Spawn. And you know what happens? Spawn walks the other way. <laughs> yes! He turns a corner, is daydreaming, stops daydreaming because he notices the cops, and is like, oh! And like comes back to reality. They actually narrate the fact that he comes back to reality, and then turns around and walks the other way. Yep. And they kind of catch him, but then the bums delay delay the detectives 
by asking stupid questions or something, and then Spawn apparently just escapes to a rooftop. Yep. So I, I have a question, and, and I want to know if you guys know the answer. Um, <laughs> yes, we do. Can Spawn fly? <laughs> yes. Thanks, Scott. In, Batman, in well, the Batman crossover, yes, he can. <laughs> but only if he looks like he's riding something. How did he get up on that ledge? Well, we know he can teleport. What's the difference? Well, teleportation is instantaneous travel. Flight is not. I like the idea of him climbing up there. I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen, at least maybe maybe it was the animated series from HBO in the 90s, but I feel like... It probably takes energy, in my, so he doesn't I, I do it much. I feel like yeah. I've seen him climbing with his costume, like using the chains and the cape to like. Oh, they can the like reach and, out like a yeah. bat almost crawling up a wall. Or, right? Yeah, or like a Dr. Octopus or something like that would, would, yeah. would use to scale the wall. So I don't think we saw any of that in these issues, but I, I was just kind of wondering about his mobility and how he gets around so fast and everything. So, yeah. I think that happens much later. His costume powers. You think he gets better at I think it? They, I think I. I feel like I remember reading. It comes much okay. later. Cool. All right. So that's that's it for issue fourteen, right? Did you guys have any other thoughts or feelings on this particular issue? Best comic ever. <laughs> right to Scott. I, it was my favorite one of the three comic books that I've read in my life. <laughs> well, comic yeah. Stories. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because at this point, you've read. Gosh, what? 14... Yeah. Uh, 23 comics now, I think. Wow. Yeah. You're moving on up. Almost got a shoebox full. That's right, yeah. yeah. We could get you a short box, and you'd be about quarter way <laughs> filling it up, I think. So that's that's not insignificant. It's fun. Yeah. So favorite lines? <laughs> I've been oh, waiting. Go ahead. Go, go, go ahead, Scott. Scott. Kaka happens, little buddy. Oh, wow. Kaka you, happens. You a different one then, huh? That's a strong Yeah. Point. All right, Kyle, you got one? Yeah. Uh, hold on, I'm scrolling. You go ahead. All right, I'll go. Uh, there is a line. I think this is in seven. I don't know. There's an aside in, in, in the, I think, in the first or second issue where Wanda is suspicious about someone who's calling, calling, asking about her dog, the uh, aforementioned Shauna or Shasha. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she goes to see this guy, and there's this random line that he says, but get a good look. I tell you, I'm mighty proud of my ears. And oh, then it yeah. goes nowhere. Yeah, Ross Perot. And it, it's just this like, <laughs> all right, this isn't completely indicative of this entire series for me. Yes. None of it makes sense. It's all completely yeah. throwaway right there. That was one of my considerations for my own uh, favorite line because it was just so bizarre and out of left field. <laughs> And there's, a lot, there's a lot of lines or a lot of like interactions that are bizarre and out of left field, but that one is like so indicative of, of that particular trait of this story. Um, so I, I found it. Mine is uh, in the first issue when he's having his confrontation with Overt Kill, and <laughs> I'm just going to read the in- entire thing. So uh, Spawn pulls his, pulls his mask off and says, Bud, you want to see Scarred? I'll show you hell in the flesh. Take a good look. I'm patient. And then Overt Kill says... Ha ha he har. <laughs> you look like crap. You know the smelly oozy kind, and oozy yeah. is kind of like green or brown or something. The font <laughs> yeah. color actually changes. And he says, "Now I'm gonna stomp," and that also has the same font color. You, so I can scrape you off my boot. You piece of turd. It's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. It's, piece of turd. Yeah, so I like that one too, Kyle. And yeah, then Spawn I mean, shoots him and says, "That was a bad joke." Yeah, I mean, it's I know. Just... that's it. Oh End God. of story. But, yeah, so I feel like we've got two lines there, yours and mine, that just kind of, like, indicate two of the weird sort of, like, 
traits of this comic. Yours is just how bizarre and out of left field and just random it can be. And this is just how hard it's trying to be so badass. And, you know, I, I, I yeah, I feel like it's very indicative of that for this particular storyline. Um, Brian, did you have something queued up for us? Uh, I mean, I thought it was all entertaining. And actually, I really like that scene, too, as well with Overt Kill. That's when I was mm-hmm. like, it was ridiculous. But even, I actually thought, even though it was my least favorite comic, it was from the nerds and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Turf War or whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, that's at the end where he basically teleports into the dude and blows him up from the inside. And he has uh-huh. this, like, yeah. Superman or Batman kind of, like, mentality, like, oh, I can do this crazy thing. I'm like, I'm so clever. And it's like, you just teleport in the dude <laughs> and exploded him because you think the armor wasn't designed to hold other people in. Like yeah yeah well what is well it's true <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense if the armor is good at holding stuff out it wouldn't mean like it's easy to get out either right no you're completely right there's there's absolutely no logic to what spawn does there because I feel like he would or just anything. have squi- like squibbed him or something but like I feel like nothing would have really exploded and I don't know I just thought. <laughs> You're right, Brian. <laughs> no, mechanics right. of it are right. off. Cool. They're flawed. Mechanics are flawed. Yeah, they need to rethink this. They need to do a patch on Spawn. Uh, <laughs> no, and I just really enjoyed that. I mean, I actually thought he was trying to be clever, and I really thought it was kind of cool. It, you know what it reminds me of? Is it reminds me of like when they write Nightcrawler as an actual killer. And, like, he uses his powers to do things like teleport somebody's head off, right? Like, mm-hmm. you see that happen in the Age of Apocalypse when he's fighting yeah, a dead man Wade. Yeah, Dead Man Wade. And, and like, there's no other way to kill him, right? Other than teleporting his head off and then, like, hiding it in a crater, which is what Nightcrawler does in that scene. And I think there's been some other takes on Nightcrawler where he's more uh, willing to kill, where well, he'll do those sorts of things. Or people use Nightcrawler's powers to do exactly that, that have robbed Nightcrawler of his powers. Things like that have happened. Um, and it just kind of reminds me of one of those ways of, like, you're trying to really cleverly show how this person's power set could be used in a way that is far more lethal or far more creative than what you usually see. Uh, and this is them trying to do that. And when you really think about it, like you just did, Brian, utterly failing. Right? Like, it doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Um so, because there's physics there, like there has to be a, a measure of force to actually cause an explosion there. And for all we know, he's just like inside the man, and who knows how that's supposed to work out? Yeah, you know, um, there's no actual force applied. We can assume, but anyway, I think he could have gone through yeah. it. No, no, but from the outside or the inside, he just used yeah, the line. Totally. To... I, I have no doubt that Spawn who is super powerful and has numbers associated with his power, like other powerful things we might It would have been like 0.25. Yeah, could have just punched through his chest probably, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So he's probably got like hell blasts or something like that that he can use. So, But, you know, my second favorite line is in that in that um, issue mm-hmm. where it says that the, the geek squad, mm-hmm. or was it the nerd squad? The nerds and the creeps. Yeah, the nerd squad. They're white, middle-class, computer geek, street gang. Yes. I thought that's us. White middle class. It's very specific. Except that when we wanted to do illicit stuff back in the 90s as, you know, like white computer savvy nerds, it was mostly just white computer savvy nerd computer stuff. <laughs> right? It's not street stuff, no. right? Yeah. It was like, I'm going to pirate some music that I shouldn't have, or I'm going to download, like, you know, this woman's boobies, or, like, you know, I'm going to <laughs> uh, generate fake AOL accounts and get free internet, you know? Like, yeah. The kinds of things we've yeah. been into, so. Except for that time you guys with the BB guns. Are you talking about the airsoft guns back in the woods? Uh, no. When what? Uh, maybe you weren't part. I think you're thinking water water pistols with Jeremy's van. Yeah, yeah. 
That's who you're yeah. thinking of. Thou. Then we were a street gang. That's the one time we were a street gang. Good call, Brian. I was not in that van, and when you guys came back and told me what you did, I was horrified. Yes. <laughs> Weren't you in that van? No. You think you were what? In no, I was, I was not, not in there that van. either. When they when they sprayed Mr. Dexheimer with the the, no, the guns while he time. was running, different time. When the cops came, oh, when the cops we came, you were too. Anything bad then? That was all no, right. we weren't. But, but we were a street gang. You guys were totally were. acting as way. a street gang. <laughs> no, but there was we another were. time where Scott, I think, and some other people were in. <laughs> yeah, we were driving down the street yeah. and we shot Mr. Dexheimer with the the water. water he gun. was jogging, and they were like, "Well, he looked hot because he was jogging." Like they said that, like in this really, like you know, well, we're well, you know, aren't we just little scamps or whatever? Like, like sort of like tone, and I was like, "You guys are assholes." <laughs> uh, um, so yeah exactly thugs. So there you go. Scott, good call back brian you, you were definitely you. the most street here scott because you were involved in two of those yes. incidents good job scott <laughs> well okay i will just say at the end i do like that he was black oh yeah nice <laughs> oh speaking of i'm not white <laughs> those two lines are are amazing what you guys both just said wait brian i totally forgot that <laughs> you forgot the bride's not white yeah <laughs> i was gonna make mention of it when you I said that more. you know because we're oh white God. middle class gang <laughs> yeah the two of us were not white wow i just totally forgot huh Th- thanks yeah. for being colorblind <laughs> scott Brian, you'll always be white to us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that has the meaning you Scott, you've reached post-racial America. Congratulations, buddy. Uh, yeah. yeah, you've transcended. Wow. I guess, you know, what, what, what we mean by that is, like, non-urban, right? Like, like suburban, yes, mid- we were all middle class. Suburban. Yeah, like, it, yeah. And, and that is how we grew up. <laughs> I mean, we, we kind of grew up, like, in a, in, a, in a not entirely white sort of, like, uh, setting. Like, we spent a lot of time, you know, in Pagoda or hanging out with Brian and Lester and their families and everything. Yes. So it wasn't like we were surrounded by, like, white people all the time. But it sure did seem like everybody was of the same um, class and, uh, I don't know, like, cultural values in a lot of ways and everything. So yeah. it, it didn't really seem like anybody was all that different the way we grew up. Yeah, so we had Asian friends. We didn't have any black or Hispanic friends. No, no, we didn't. Yeah, no Hispanics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think you I meant mean, to say it like that, a, Scott. Yeah, it's like... A, <laughs> right. Uh, I just want to say that we were not, like, pushing the racial divide that commonly exists. Oh, no, I mean, no, no, no. You know, no. That, that doesn't... That, but that's what happen. I like about this comic book. They, they never make point of it you know they're not like oh we're being like edgy you know what i mean he just or happens like, to be black different yeah he just is they don't say anything thing, about yeah. it. it never comes up it never comes up yeah i agree it's i like that good. well i don't think i don't think we yeah we weren't going out of our way to not hang out with people of other races but <laughs> i'm just talking about the comic book Kyle. <laughs> well you we were also talking about us for a little bit <laughs> no we were not we were not trying to exclude people of other races i think that's fair to say there were not many black kids in our high school, to be honest. Oh, my God. You have something you want to say, Brian? No. I'm just laughing at the... Brian's trying to avoid saying anything. Yeah, the it's white... Well, I just love the white apology. for you, hasn't it? Yeah, this is like a white apology thing. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, I'm not apologizing be... for anything. There was, like, no Hispanics around. Like, there was barely any Hispanics in our school. There's barely I'm... any black kids in our school. I'm very but... hopeful you will cut this from the episode. <laughs> Me too. I think there are actually more black people than Hispanic uh, people. Don't you think? I don't remember. I don't remember any Mexicans. 
I remember in middle there, school. There was a gang of them. I mean, not to call them a gang. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Now, Ryan, yes, now Ryan, Ryan, being insensitive. <laughs> you know, as a model minority, I try to replicate <laughs> what I experience nice. with other people. Oh, God. Uh-huh. What have we even done? Precisely. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so, do you guys have any... Uh, who would you recommend this comic to? Anyone? <laughs> Uh, teenagers. I don't know. Teenagers. teenagers. Do you think uh, a teenager in 2016 would appreciate Spawn <laughs> the way we appreciated it at the time? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think, Wait. I think 12-year-old boys would appreciate this, though. Okay, okay. I think it is when, so edgy for them. Okay. When, when does your son become a teenager? <laughs> Not for a long time. He's seven. So would you let him read this? No. I'm not recommending it to my son. I'm recommending it <laughs> but to, it's... to street teens. <laughs> like All urban the teens, teens I know. the ones that have the, the creep squad. I mean, the creep teen, squad. Teens I find on the street. That's what I mean. I'll throw this comic at them. I'm so curious. Are, are you saying that you would I'm not, give them not recommend it to your son at age seven, or not? But at, not at age thirteen either. I would. No, not, I, I think would Todd's never... saying no because of the story, not because of the content. I, yeah, I, so I would quality, not. I would not, not want to. He just thinks it's low quality. Yes, so much better stuff out there to read. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I can think of some stuff that was, like, I don't know, more inappropriate that we were reading even at the time. Like, Gen 13 was, like, you know, more gross in terms of, like, its sexualization of females and things like that than sure. than this yeah. even is. Uh, and, and that was part of the draw at the time. God, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, not comics. It's, I mean, there, there are all sorts of comics, right? I mean, there are still comics that are probably exploitative and terrible. Mm-hmm. But it just shows you how far comics have come. There's so much good stuff out there right now. Yeah. No, um, I mean, yeah comics these days there's there's real quality like literature type comics on the shelf to choose from there's a big selection of them out there and yeah this is a good indicator of how far they've come just in gosh what like 14 years yeah and yeah they're, they're excellent image comics out there oh I yeah mean, no image is you know, definitely uh right putting out some so of we have stuff. i think we need to all say thank you to spawn for that has <laughs> <laughs> ushered in thanks, this yeah. new great thanks, age thomas of farland for founding image that eventually became good. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you guys are ultimately right. I found it entertaining, but I couldn't read this, you know, every day. It's my favorite single one to read because it was just fun. Yeah, it's like but going it's to... it's not the uh, kind of thing you can just keep reading. It's like watching a grindhouse flick with your friends in a cafe. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. You're not going to watch it every day after work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think one of the other things we usually talk about is what kind of recommendations people have that are not related to the oh. assigned reading. Uh, does everybody have something prepared? Ooh. I, I have something I recommend, but okay, go ahead, Kyle. It. Do you have something? No, I want to hear you first. All right. Um, I went back and I, possibly to wash Todd McFarlane out of my mouth. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I read some old <laughs> Chris Claremont. I read the um, original Wolverine series and mm-hmm. God Loves Man Kills, which are just both excellent pieces of writing. I've been a, a fan of Wolverine. I Back in my teenage years, I was a fan of Wolverine for many years. And... Um, it wasn't really until, like, The Get Mystique, which I think was written by Jason Aaron, um, that, you know, I really felt like someone had gotten Wolverine. But that was, of course, this sort of failure of, of mine to go back and read these old Chris Claremont books. I just really love his take on, on all of these characters. And, of course, Chris Claremont wrote X-Men for so many years and really developed the voices of these characters. And I just think, you know, both of those are really... Uh, a phenomenal sort of takes on on Wolverine, and then in God Loves Man Kills, all of the characters, Kitty Pride and others, who 
factor in strongly into that. I think it, 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 you know, people talk about God Loves Man Kills as sort of a timeless story. And I was really surprised by how timeless I found it when I went back to read it. Now, you're talking about the Wolverine miniseries. I am, yes, right. Which the original is also Wolverine actually miniseries. by Frank Miller. Right, yeah, he did all the, uh, yes, it was a collaboration between Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, you say you, you didn't really become familiar with like a, a good take on Wolverine until uh, Get Mystique, but surely you had read some Chris Claremont Wolverine back when we were first collecting because we had some older stuff too. Yeah, I mean, I read some, and I mean, I guess to be honest, I fell in love with the character from X Men One when they redid it, with, and that was still Chris Claremont writing it with Jim Lee doing the artwork before mm-hmm. Chris pulled out the book. Um, so, I mean, I did fall. I mean, that's why I fell in love with the character initially as a teenager because he was this sort of like loner badass figure. Um, so, I guess, I mean, in truth, I had read some uh, Chris Claremont before that that I that I really liked, but. I, you know, I grew up reading a lot of Wolverine comics written by Larry Hama. Yeah. And, I mean, he he had a long, long run in that book. Um, but I never really felt, you know, that great about his take on the character. When I went back and mm-hmm. read this Chris Thurman mm-hmm. work, I was really, um, I just really liked it. It was this sort of more knowledgeable figure, uh, again, sort of the younger, sometimes more powerful um, other X-Men, like Colossus and things like that, who are very naive as to the ways of the world. Um, and, you know, like there's a scene in there where Wolverine comes in and, and or Logan comes in and, and, you know, recognizes that there's a part where they, there's a belief that, um, and I guess spoilers here, Cyclops and Storm are killed, but he comes in and, of course, says, no, this is a setup, right? I've done a million of these sort of like fake you know, fake death, you know, scenes uh, during his time as the CIA, you know, operative or up, I guess actually really up in Canada as a, as a secret agent, you know, so it's, it's that sort of, I really like that interplay. Um, so anyway, I would highly recommend uh, these classic tales that everyone has already heard are, are really great. Well, the classic X-Men, the, the classic Claremont take on Wolverine is much Absolutely. more, uh, it's it's more nuanced and and there's a little bit more depth to it than the way the character was portrayed through much of the 90s right uh, and and also he's more sparingly used he wasn't like the most popular character in the world yet and so yep. he was not the main focus um you know in the X-Men he was one of an ensemble uh, yep. which made i think his he was much more effective that way i agree so yeah man, that's cool yeah i've read the uh, i've read the miniseries i have not read god loves man kills i need to do that, that yeah you definitely should check it out it's good uh the the comic that i want to talk about it's actually gonna i'm gonna just talk about the entire run but i finished up uh the fifth issue of the invincible iron man the new uh series uh came out i think last week and i read that and i just wanted to say that I've read one through five since they relaunched the Marvel stuff post Secret Wars or almost post Secret Wars, and Brian Michael Bendis has taken over writing on Invincible Iron Man. And normally I wouldn't recommend Bendis just because I feel like it's always the same, and I just kind of got sick of Bendis after a while hmm. because it just seems like he always uses the same voices for everybody. And I'm not entirely sure that he's doing anything different here, but I really like it. Like, I just really like the crazy sort of like sarcastic fun voice he's given to Tony Stark. And <laughs> he's teamed up with a, like a reformed, an apparently reformed Dr. Doom, which is just really fun. He's going after like kind of a minor villain who's become sort of more powerful than she should be with, um, uh, was Madam Hydra or, or what's her name? Um, 
I'm already blanking on her name, but uh, somebody that Tony's had, like, you know, uh, she's been a lover of Tony in the past. Um, Madame Mask, maybe. Uh, mm. And then, like, you know, he's got, like, a, he, he kind of, like, interweaves with Doctor Strange because there's mystical stuff going on. He's got a very sarcastic new armor AI, which is fun. It's just, it's a really fun take on Iron Man. I think that if you wanted something that's more modern and fun, not super serious, uh, this is this is really good content if you want something that's just a good blast to read. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. I think out of all the, the Marvel comics that have relaunched that I haven't already talked about, being Howard the Duck, uh, I think this is the one that I'm really the <laughs> most excited about. Howard the Duck is really good, you guys. Is it? Yeah. I believe it. Howard the Duck we is try really it? fun. You should read Howard the Duck. Okay. As long as Chip Zdarsky is writing Howard the Duck, you should go read some Howard the Duck. Um <laughs> Jocelyn's reading it too. My wife, she she's loving it too. Um, so I I just think I think Howard the Duck is amazing. Nice. Yeah. Um, Brian, do you have something you want to share? Uh, I have not read anything other than Spawn, and more of my normal Marvel stuff. Yeah. Well, you've been kind of catching up on some mm. of the the Marvel stuff on Unlimited. Has there been anything that's stuck out as particularly entertaining or good? I kind of like the Magneto run. Oh yeah, I've heard that's very good. Uh, it's weird, but I am digging it. It's like he became becomes like this noir detective. That's awesome. So it's kind of cool. And it, well, I think the art is kind of awful, but his arc was pretty good. Yeah, like as a person, Magneto's always been, I think, one of the characters out of the the X Men series that can can be one of the most interesting characters to write or to read about. Oh, I mean, as a setup, he's he's perfect. I mean, this sort of you know, as sort of a uh, uh, challenging, um, you know, gray sort of uh, evil figure. You know, I mean, yeah. he's clearly his. He can't argue with uh, the basis for his reasons for believing that humanity can't exist with people that they deem to be others. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Holocaust is sort of a perfect example of that. So, I mean, he's great. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love the idea of his, him. <laughs> I love the idea. I guess I would be willing to try any of these like famous characters as a noir detective. That's true. Like as soon as I hear that, I'm like, okay, I'll try it. That's a setup that you really can't go wrong with, at least in terms of just the premise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you heard that like Wolverine was going to be a noir detective, you'd probably be like, well, of course he is because Should, you know, I, yeah, I'd give kind of already done that before. But you'd still go read it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe maybe some Deadpool noir detective would be entertaining. I don't know. <laughs> that that'd probably actually be pretty entertaining. I've kind of come. I've turned a corner on Deadpool as a character. I kind of enjoy the take on him these days. Isn't the movie coming out soon too? Yeah, yeah. I saw the preview the other day. Uh, we were in when we went to go see Hateful Eight, and it it certainly looks entertaining. Yeah, I think that's a, a challenge cool with overexposure for a character. It, it you is, know, right? Yeah. Like when it becomes so popular, I think it tends to start pushing you away. Yeah, I had been resentful of it because of that, and I've kind of turned the corner where now I kind of enjoy him too, and I'm kind of on board. So. Good. Yeah. yeah. Scott. Well, as you know, I can't really recommend anything comic book wise, but I would recommend if any of you are looking to quit your day job anytime soon, your best bet is probably the $900 million Powerball <laughs> drawn tonight. Did you already get drawn? So if you haven't gotten a ticket, you need to go Did buy it. Did you already one. get drawn? <laughs> I think it draws at 11. <laughs> Todd, that's my recommendation. And. Not, not. Not to time date oh, yeah, this episode in any yeah. way. <laughs> right, yeah, I'm kidding. I mean, this is probably going to post in like two months. Long, long. Maybe there will be another $900 million Powerball that will hold this episode until there's another $900 million Powerball. 
This is for you guys. Oh my god! For you I three. Love it. I, hey, I'm taking care of man. I got my Powerball ticket sitting right here. I'm ready to go. Check How it. many did you get? Ten of them. Oh my god! Wow. Are you are you <laughs> ready for the winning numbers? No, I don't. I, no. Oh no, I I don't have my wallet with. I want to go so. to bed with a fantasy still. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what the tickets were. Yeah. Don't ruin okay. it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so have you consumed any other sort of media this week that you would recommend, Scott? Oh, jeez, media. Oh, that what's that Netflix show that's out right now? Making of a murder. Yeah, making a murder. Yeah, I right thought right. it would be horrible, but I actually watched some of the first episode. Not even the whole thing. Okay, and it, I like it so far. Okay, I watched awesome. the whole first episode, and I think it's setting up in an interesting way. Yeah. So that's what that's my recommendation. All I know is I saw a guy on the morning news sometime this week, like the six thirty news, saying that. Uh, he had covered that story for two years and that he felt like the Netflix series was full of all kinds of holes and that it was completely inaccurate in terms of its its final judgment of the situation, apparently. Like he oh, because he's got all the details and he's going to write a book and you need to read that's it. That's probably... I don't, I don't remember him <laughs> mentioning a book. It was more like just like he was on... It's coming. Day. It's probably true. But I just... I don't know. Like the whole thing was like, just take this with a grain of salt. Like they didn't exactly... Yeah. Like bring you all of the details in terms of this, this case. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm not so concerned that it's reality. It just seems it like a cool story. Yeah. yeah it seems like... Yeah. Uh, I was wondering how many of these sorts of things were going to pop up after the first season of Serial, the podcast. Because it just kind of sounds to me like the the netflix take on that particular format right like covering some sort of interesting crime that happened in real life and mm-hmm. trying to expose how the trial went wrong or how there's still sort of a mystery involved in everything is it, does that kind of what it seemed like to you guys yeah i think that's it I yeah mean, so he's cleared i think he's declared uh innocent he's being exonerated because of dna evidence and then my guess is the way it seems to be setting up is that they're going to pin another murder on him so, or a murder on him. I guess it was a rape before that he was cleared from. Right, yeah. That's the way it seems to be setting up. Again, I think I've seen the first episode, and may, I think that may be it. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, that's what it is. It, making of a murder is in, like, fabrication of someone being a murderer, or, like, the police station trying to, or the, the, the sheriff, whoever, they're they're all trying to, like, make him out and not be embarrassed and get after him. It's It's this whole, like... Right now, distrust of the polit- you know criminal system thing. Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. So, in don't trust days, the cops. Uh, yeah. Unless you're <clears> my <throat> brother, you can trust my brother, <laughs> Officer Bolin. Although you'll never visit him, strangely. <laughs> and I hate that place. It's just too hot. I'm a wi- I'm a big weenie when it comes to heat and humidity, and I won't go to Florida. <laughs> you are a big weenie. Yeah. You pusshead. <laughs> I feel like this episode. <laughs> I feel like this episode is really. Um, Mirror the Spawn comic that we read. And it's sort yes, of like yes. Non-sequitur yes. nature. Yes. Well, Can I, 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 I... Dialogue straight out of there right now. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't need to go in the episode, but I would I would recommend to you guys, as sort of a side, to go and read the Wikipedia page uh, about what happens to Spawn after this series and like where it goes. I would just like to read these two sentences to you. Okay. Spawn was summoned by a voodoo princess named Mambo Susan. <laughs> Zera was attempting to <laughs> over Nix's body and fight Spawn, but she was killed But when Suzanne used their fighting as a distraction and threw her head into the streets where it was eaten by demon dogs. <laughs> okay. I love it. I don't know. Maybe we should just do a Spawn cast. <laughs> Spawn cast. I hated this so much, but I kind of feel the same way. 
Wasn't it like that <laughs> podcast kind of you listen to? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like that podcast you you listen to where they just watch a terrible movie every <laughs> single day or whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> talk about it. Terrible okay. idea. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, but, so what's next? Yeah, speaking of next, uh, next on the next episode in two weeks, we will be discussing... The Man of Steel. Not the movie, but the 1986 limited series by John Byrne. It's a six-issue series, so if you want to read up on that uh, and follow along in two weeks, feel free. I'd also like to mention that you may find our website at theamazer.com. That's T-H-E-A-M-A-Z-E-R.com. We also have an email address there, so if you'd like to drop us a note or a line, you may at amazerpodcast at theamazer.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye.